um, yeah, I had to tell my kids to move, but it wasn't so much the telling them we had to move more than the reason why, you know? It was very difficult because my children are biracial and, well, multiracial to be honest, but if for me to tell them that we are getting kicked out because you are black, like your skin is a sin, so because of that, you're guilty and you have to get out. Welcome into Priced Out the Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Morgan, alongside Cornelia Swart. How you doing today, man? Good. I'm doing good. We have a very special show here. Yes, we do. Um, so you went down to Long Beach in September for a screening. Of last year, yeah. Yeah. And we, we've we actually aired an episode uh, related to that screening. Before we went to the screening, yeah. we interviewed Josh Butler from a group called Housing Long Beach who was fighting for rent control. And then I went down and did the screening. And I ran into a bunch of really interesting people, amazing stories down there. Yeah. And so what we've done is we were able to capture a very captivating story that tells so many different sides of the gentrification story. And this is one of the stories that typically in society gets hushed. And so this is one of the more proud moments for Priced Out the Podcast because we're putting a voice to one of those marginalized voices that normally doesn't get a chance to tell their full story. It's the story of a local woman who grew up in the neighborhood when it was largely black and Latino and who experiences abuse, heartache, evictions, discrimination at almost every turn in life. But she doesn't give up. Yes. She never gives up. This is a story of a fighter. And so we're really excited to give you this story. Um, some of the the things that she faces in her story, the effect behind it is similar of the effect that gentrification has had on her. You know, she's and, and I don't mm-hmm. want to give up mm-hmm. too many elements of it. Yeah. But there are a lot of things that go on in the gentrification uh, of America that is being unspoken. Yeah. And I think that you 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 saw those threads very clearly when I when I brought this back from Long Beach is that there's this theme of people using their wealth and position to abuse yeah. others directly or just by dint of not not giving a, a flip about them. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and get into it. Well, maybe we should back up. Can you introduce yourself? My name is Cynthia Macias, and I have four lovely children. And I am from Long Beach, California. Well, tell me about the good things you remember of the neighborhood when you were a kid. The good things I remember um, was just knowing everybody and everyone looked like me. Um, they were. I grew up mostly where it was mostly Latinos and African-American and we all went to the same school. All the parents knew each other. Um, it was free. And you grew up here? Yep. I grew up in an apartment complex, um, 842 Alamitos Avenue, and um, my whole entire family lived there. All my aunts, my grandmother, my mom, 
What was that? What was it like? Well, it was fun. Like during holidays and stuff, we didn't have to go nowhere. We were just there. But it was kind of annoying because I have a lot of little cousins, so we used to have to watch them, and we didn't like that part because my aunts would be like, "Oh, you guys are outside. You, you know, keep eye on them." No, I didn't like that because I wanted to run around and go on the next block and play with Joanna or play with Tanya across the street. I, I wanted to have options and we had options because everybody knew everybody. Every parent knew everybody's parents. Mm -hmm. So it was just like we all knew each other. It was amazing. I loved growing up there with my class, especially with my family. We were just so close. At this point, Cynthia goes out to Ohio to help a friend. She brings along her daughter and she meets a guy. He's from Ethiopia, he has a child, and they hit it off. And at first, it goes really well. Um, I went from having this happy family to um, a very abusive um, alcohol abusing from him. He, was, he became an alcoholic. Um, it, it started off with the verbal then the emotional abuse, and along came the mental abuse. Um, and by then, I was already believing, you know, to the point where like, yeah, he's right, it's my fault, I did this and I deserve it. You know, that's right, I am stupid, whatever. And then from there, it just went to, oh, one day I got slapped and didn't do nothing about it. So I guess he felt, oh, she's gonna let me do it. And then from there, went to the pushing and shoving, I mean, I have a scar on my scalp from a hockey stick. He hit you with a hockey yeah, stick? Yeah, he hit me with a hockey stick and refused to let me go to the ER to get staples or stitches because he knew that the police would get involved immediately. Mm. Um, so I wasn't allowed to leave. He stayed there and took care of it. He cleaned it out every day and until it got better. Then I was allowed to leave. But I was captive in my house for six months. I couldn't leave. Um, one night he came home, drunk like always, and for some reason, you know, my grandmother used to always say, the guilty judge as they are. And I never understood that until I got married to this man. And mind you, I had the two boys and I worked. I worked at the airport. I worked for, um, I was a supervisor for all the gift shops in the airport. Um, and I had the boys. So I would come home tired and he would come home drunk and I would be sleeping. It would always start with the same accusation that um, I was tired because I must have been cheating with another man. That's why I was tired. Not because I worked and I had two children and a house to clean, but because I was cheating. And he decided to grab my kids and put them in the car and grab his daughter and wake her up and put her in the car. and. He was gonna take him, and I refused to let him do that. And because he was drunk, he was intoxicated. I don't even know how he got home, to be honest. So I tried to get, I got my boy out and the other one. And when I went to go grab his daughter, that's when he was like, "Nope, you can't take her. That one's mine." And I was like, "Oh no! Like she's in my house. She's my responsibility." No. So as I'm trying to get her, she's in uh, in the back seat, and I'm trying to get her. And as I'm trying to get her, he just reverses. So I kind of go forward. And then he hits drive and I had to grab onto the door and he just dragged me for like three, four blocks. Um, thank God that the security from our apartment complex happened to be outside. 
and he saw him and immediately he flashed his light at him and he called the cops immediately. But tell me, what was going through your mind when you were being dragged by the car? All I could think about was my kids. Are gonna be left with this man. If you die? Yeah, and I, I cannot let go. I cannot, as much as I wanted to let go, I couldn't hold on. It, the pain was so horrible. My, my thigh and my buttocks area was all skinned from the concrete. And tore your clothes up. Yeah, it tore my clothes up, everything. And all I could think about was, you cannot let go. Because if you let go, you're letting go of your children. And your children are going to be stuck with this man. And that's what made me hold on. And I guess he saw the lights and he slammed on his brakes and I went forward and I crashed into the door. But at least it was the door and it wasn't the sidewalk or the, the post, it, it was just the door. Uh, I was fine other than the my skin, my head was good. I was, emotionally, I wasn't okay. Mentally, I wasn't okay. I, 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 I don't I don't even think I, I could tell you how I felt because it's a complete blank mm -hmm. after that. But it, uh, you had an existing back problem and it left you disabled. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I was born with um, my spine um, never fully developed. So basically that's what happened. I have um, four herniated discs and a pinched sciatic nerve in between. Um, the pinched sciatic nerve wasn't there before the accident. Um, that came from the accident. And after that incident? I became completely disabled. I, um, I, I can't do anything as something as simple as mopping, sweeping is very tedious to heart, sometimes even impossible for me to do. I can't, um, I don't know if you notice, you'll see me fidget and you'll see me move my hands a bit because I'm moving my legs because it's, I can feel my legs starting to fall asleep because I'm sitting too long, or if I stand too long. I can't carry anything heavier than five pounds. Who's gonna hire me with all those accommodations? No one. I wouldn't hire myself. So you couldn't work, and you, but you were determined after that to leave. Yeah, after that, um, I'm not going to say it was easy. Um, before I got to that realization, I became very depressed. Um, I attempted um, to commit suicide um, because at that point in time, I, um, I could only send my daughter to my parents here in Long Beach because that was in his child. So she could leave. I just felt bad because when I realized, like, this is not going to change. I have to get out and I have to do something about it. This is not my fault. No. Um, was when the mother of his daughter passed away. And I now had to take the responsibility of not only my children, but her as well. And I couldn't leave her with him. Um, I couldn't forgive myself if I left her with him because he could not take care of himself let alone a girl. And I feared the worst for her, you know? So I told myself that I would leave as soon as I ensured um, my stepdaughter was safe with my mother-in-law. Once I did that, he went to jail. 
um, because of immigration. Immigration, um, like I said, he's Ethiopian, and with all that domestic violence from the car accidents and everything, mm -hmm. immigration um, put a hold on his green card and mm -hmm. um, his citizenship, all of that. They put it on hold, and he has to deal with them. So I took advantage of that, and I called my parents, and I told them, um, I have to get out. I have a window right now. It may only be 24 hours for me to get out. I need to get out, and my dad said, I can't afford plane tickets, but I can afford Greyhound tickets. So he got me and the boys ground, ground, Greyhound tickets, and we were on our way with nothing but a backpack and an outfit. And my the hardest thing, I just couldn't explain to them. You know what? Surprisingly, my oldest son, at only five years old, um, he understood. He said, it's okay, Mommy, because I don't want Daddy to come back. But my youngest one, he was a lot smaller. He didn't really see it, and he was his dad's favorite. So he didn't really feel any of it. So he was he didn't want to leave. He, he wanted Daddy. And he crying? Yeah, he was crying. He said, I don't want to go. I want to see Daddy. Are you still good? Yeah. Cool. What, what did you feel when you got on that bus? When I got on that bus, it was as if my chains were cut the moment that door closed. I was free. I knew he wouldn't be able to hurt me no more, um, but, you know, it never left my mind his threats. You know, that if you ever leave me, I will find you and I will take my boys to Ethiopia and you will never see them again. So even though I felt free, I was still scared because that was still on my mind very vividly, like, oh my God, what if he does come? And you know, as far as him and his family, they have money, they, you know, they, they're wealthy. So I, I'm not, so I'm like, oh my God, he's gonna come, he has the means to do it. Probably when I get down the Greyhound, he'll be there. But um, the moment I got here, I, I had all my DV records and I went to the courthouse and immediately I got an emergency protection order and then that became a five-year order of protection against him and he's never contacted me. And, you know, in the beginning it was difficult, you know, something as simple as, you know, what am I going to eat today? was like, wow, I have the choice. It's something as simple as what I'm going to eat. But I have that choice. I don't have someone dictating me what they want me to make to eat. I came back home. Or I shouldn't have left, but came back home. So you came back to Long Beach? Yep. Came back to Long Beach. And, and, you, and you found a place pretty quickly. Yeah, pretty quickly I found a place. Um, the landlord was very understanding. Well, the manager, she was very understanding and of my situation. And um, she she decided to help me out. She said, look, just give me $400 deposit. And can you pay me $750 of rent? Cool. My income was nine ninety. dollars Perfect. I was on disability, and I live off of my disability only. Um, I ran into some problems. Like when I first moved into the apartment, the moment they gave me my key and I walked in there, um, I kind of realized there was going to be some type of an issue um, because all their painting equipment and, you know, just their tools that they use to get the apartment up to par um, were still there. Then, you know, I started noticing my kids um, 
were getting bite marks on their arms. So I took them to the doctor and the doctor was like, whoa, these are bed bugs. And I'm like, what are those? So she showed me what they look like and she said, you need the carpets removed. Um, I immediately told my manager, I need the carpets removed, there's bed bugs. And she was like, oh no, those are new carpets. You must have brought them with what furniture? I didn't have nothing. I didn't have nothing. So she was like, no, I don't know. Those, that's brand new. And she's like, I said, can I talk to the landlord? No, well, I'll talk to the landlord and see what she says. So a couple of weeks went by and I, I'm calling her and I'm calling her, knocking on her door. She don't answer. Finally, she gives me a call back. And she says, well, the landlord, the, uh, landlord says she's not going to change the carpet because it's brand new, but that she'll wash it. I said, washing is not going to help. I said, so you know what? I think I'm going to go get an attorney. No, 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 don't get an attorney. I'm going to try to convince her and talk to her, okay? Because I feel bad for your kid. So it ended up being two and a half weeks. Um, my children, I had to remove them, and they went to live with my parents. And, you know, when they took the carpets, just picture lasagna. That's exactly, but with carpets. Instead of pasta, meat, it was just carpet, 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 carpet. No sponge, no nothing in the bottom. Mm. Just old dirty carpets and then the icing on the cake the, in the middle of the carpets I guess the workers must have been eating KFC or something there was KFC box with chicken bones there with maggots so my children were walking laying and sleeping over these dirty carpets so they're managing and suddenly the ownership of the building changes and the new owners who come in don't want black people living in the building. The apartment manager comes up to Cynthia one day and tells her that they're going to be evicted. And he says something shocking. He says, I think what they're doing is wrong. They're kicking you out because your boyfriend and your kids are black. Cynthia confronts the rest of the managers with this fact. And the next day, the apartment manager that told her was fired. Can you explain the racial makeup of your family? Um, yeah. Um, to be technical, I'm Mexican, German, Puerto Rican, and Irish. And um, my partner is African-American. So all four of my children are African-American. And based on the census, they're considered black mm -hmm. so even though to me we're multiracial like my kids don't know the definition of race mm -hmm. to them they and yeah I blame myself for this but I've always instilled in them that there's only one race and that's the human race that's it and so but you were getting evicted because, because we were black you were black but, but because my children were black and um yeah I had to tell my kids to move but it wasn't so much telling them we had to move more than the reason why, you know. It was very difficult because my children are biracial and, well, multiracial to be honest, but if for me to tell them that we are getting kicked out because you are black, like your skin is a sin, so because of that, you're guilty and you have to get out. Immediately, I started to feel like how I felt in Ohio. I felt lost, discouraged, and I felt slowly depression, like trying to creep back in. Like, oh, there's nothing you can do about it. 
-hmm. You're going to be homeless. Your kids are going to be sleeping in the streets. And I was just like, what am I going to do? And my oldest son is very intelligent. Both of my kids, they're, they're all in Excel classes. And my oldest son, he understood that, you know, he says, I see it at school too, mom. Like, I can't play with certain kids. They say that I'm not Mexican enough because I don't speak Spanish, mm. you know? And he was just like, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? I don't know. We're going to figure it out. And he just said, it's not fair. Why can people just kick you out? He said, why? Mom, you pay rent all the time. He says, I see all your money go to it. He says, that's why we can't go to kickboxing no more because I had to cancel that. The extracurricular stuff is out the window. Can't. It's either we survive or we don't. And at school, my kids, it, it started affecting them at school. Um, the teacher, I never get phone calls unless it's like, oh, he did extremely well or he's getting an award or recognition. And for her to call me because she was concerned that my child was distracted. Um, my child was not performing at his best. Um, my child is, um, he, he likes challenges and he is very competitive. So he, he started showing signs of depression yeah. at school. Um, I had to, um, because of that, the teacher, the school psychiatrist and um, the principal, we all got on a plan on what worked best for him and they were very accommodating. They helped me with uh, uniforms for them. Um, they would help them with school supplies and stuff like that. And we got him in therapy and he's still in therapy. Um, and it helped, it helped a lot for him to understand. Um, it's sad to say that my son is 10 and they're 10 and nine. And if you ask him, do you know what gentrification is? They'd be like, yeah, we know exactly what it is. Mm. Like they should just be worried about Star Wars and Pokemon, but they're not. They love church, though. My son was just like, why does God allow people to do this? Mm. And he asked me that, and I said, I can't answer you that. But all I can tell you is that God gives us free will. So every man and woman has the choice to make the right choice or the wrong choice. And some people just care about themselves. So I got an eviction notice as well as the other two um, African-American tenants. And um, I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I was lost. Um, I was confused. And um, my neighbor, she goes, hey, I went to a meeting the other day at La Latinos in Action. And uh, I heard about this uh, organization called Housing Long Beach. And I heard that they help people. I said, oh, really? She said, yeah, you should go. And it was a Monday. And I came and I was blessed that they had their legal clinic. I, I was blessed and I spoke to the attorney. I showed her my 60-day notice and I explained the situation to her. And um, she, Elena, she was baffled, like couldn't understand how bluntly they, they, they just did it. So she was like, you have a case, we'll take your case. Um, and I took him to court. It wasn't easy. It was long. It was tedious. Um, was there a moment there where the attorney said, 
you should take a legal action or you should sue them. What was that? What was that like? Um, yeah, when I was talking to her, she asked me, what do you want to do? Do you want to fight to stay there or do you want to fight them for the racial discrimination? And you just want to move up. You, you want to go about your life and continue your business, but you want them to rectify the wrong. And I said, yes, I want them to rectify the wrong. Not so much for me, myself, but for the future. So they understand that, you know, because that company that bought RTI properties, they weren't even, like most of the investors in that company, they don't even live in Long Beach. They leave out somewhere far away. So why are you coming into our city and making money off of our people when you don't even live here? You don't. We're not a part of our community. Why should you benefit off of our community? You know? So she was like, do you want to? And I said, yes, I'm totally for it. She said, it's not gonna be easy. Are you willing to go through with it? Yes, all the way. And I did. It was a few months. It was like seven months. So you did get kicked out. You yeah, did get I got evicted. evicted. And where did you go? I ended up having to stay in a hotel for a couple of weeks. Um, I was very grateful, again, to community um, growing up. Um, these little girls I used to help babysit, they work at a hotel room and um, she asked her boss and told her boss the situation and they gave us a discount and allowed all of us to stay in a two bedroom instead of having to get two rooms, which would have been so far. So you had four kids and two adults yeah. all living in one hotel room? Yep. And they, they brought an extra They brought mattress. an extra mattress so we could put it on the floor and we were sleeping on it and then the boys had their bed and my daughter and had it on the other one. So um, you basically took them to trial on, on two, two issues, maintenance and, and racial discrimination? Well, the racial discrimination um, was kind of like that ace in the attorney's pocket. Um, she didn't really want to fully go that way unless we had to. Mm -hmm. um, that was um, basically our plan B. Um, and when they threw out the habitability, we didn't have no other option but, um, which was the real problem there, which was the real reason why I was getting evicted. Um, so once that was played in, um, of course the, the attorney denied all racial anything. Um, but he made a very, if you ask me, a very dumb comment um, and statement. He stated that it was impossible for them to be racist because they made sure that they had at least two black tenants in any of his properties. And immediately the judge just, his, the look on his face, it was like he couldn't believe it. So he immediately told the lady that's typing, you know, off the record and told him, I, I want you to understand the statement you just made. He said, you said, and, I, and I'm going to switch the words, I am not a racist because I have three black friends. He said, that is basically what you just said. If you were not a racist, they would just be your friends. But they're not. They're three black friends. So he said, I suggest you go back in that room and you come to an agreement with her. Because if you don't, this jury's gonna eat you alive. So we went back and mind you, this is November and we're 
this is all now November 2016, and we're arguing back and forth. And he's like, well, I want you out by December 15th. No, Christmas is coming around. Like, you're taking my kids' home. You're not going to take Christmas from them. You're not going to take Thanksgiving. You're not going to take New Year's from them. You're not. I refuse to allow you to take that from them. And we agreed I would move out on the 15th, on the 5th, and um, by the 17th, um, I found a place. But the ruling was I, they were to give me six months back um, of my rent. Um, they would also have to give me a relocation fee of $1,500. And um, my record was going to be sealed. Um, and also they had to give me a letter of recommendation for my next landlord because I was an outstanding tenant that always paid the rent on time. So did you feel better? How did you feel? I felt a rush of empowerment. I, I, at that point in time, only thing that came to my mind was I cannot allow my children to face this when they go to college. I cannot do this. I have to fight to ensure that my children can live wherever they want and not have the fear of being displaced at any given point or time because they decide to put the rent up or you know they want to make it an Airbnb or they just want to charge more because guess what? There's no rent control. We can do it. There's no eviction protections, just cause, nothing. I can do whatever I want and that's not fair. So not only for my children, but for every child in this community, um, I, it hurts me to see that a lot of people that I grew up with in Long Beach that actually lived here and owned their homes, they no longer live here. They moved out. They're in La Puente. They're in Santa Barbara. They're everywhere out, outside of Long Beach. And why should we lose that? Like you said, you know, Long Beach is very secluded and hidden, but there's a lot of beauty here and we need to flourish it and embrace it and not, you know, isolate it and divide it to where we have our gentrification and you know who lives where and why. Where's your family? Does your family still live here? <laughs> no. Which is really sad because my whole family, like I told you, we all grew up living in the same apartment complex. And as, you know, the rent started to go up and stuff, slowly but surely they moved. Um, some live on the north side of Long Beach. Some live in the west side. Um, some live in La Puente. A lot live in San Diego now. You know, so it's just, it's no longer there. Um, we see each other whenever we do. And it's sad. The building where I lived at, where I got evicted from, um, they bought the whole corner, it's the whole corner, and um, the apartments are still on the side, but now this, the front lower part is now businesses. Um, you have a yoga uh, studio, you have a pet grooming studio, and then you have a vegan pizza place. Oh, Who you... can afford $28 a pizza? That's preposterous. I can't. So who are you targeting? You're not targeting our lower class. Or obviously you're not targeting the middle class because I don't think they can afford $28 a pizza neither. So who are you targeting? Or who are you trying to push out? And it's, it's everywhere. I'm seeing it everywhere. You don't recognize the, the community anymore? I don't. I don't recognize it. Sometimes I feel like an alien. I, I really feel like 
I'm not in Long Beach anymore. And, and now you, you moved into a new place. Yes, I moved into a new place, which is nice, but. And what is it, one bedroom, two? No, it's a two bedroom. I have a, it's, it's pretty huge. It's a two bedroom, two bath. Um, I have a huge balcony. I have a parking under garage. So it's, it's a lot nicer. And of course I'm paying a lot more than what I paid at the other place. But you say recently you've been getting a lot of big rent increases. Yep. But I started off this year paying thirteen twenty, and um, as of November first, I will be paying now sixteen hundred dollars. Right now, I'm paying fourteen seventy five, but I will be paying sixteen hundred dollars. So it's a, you said that was thirteen percent increase. Yeah. And you're getting a little concerned. Yeah, because I'm I, I'm not the only one that's seeing this. Um, I see it everywhere. I see whole entire buildings getting a rent increase to where they cannot afford it. And I'd rather live like this than not have a place to live. Right. And should nobody have to settle for that? But are you afraid that you might get, you might get pushed out, priced out? Yeah, totally. I really am. Do you feel more empowered because of the experience you had with the last building? Yes, I do because not only can I talk the talk, but I've been in it. I know what I'm talking about. I felt it live in color 3D. Yeah, I mean, is it wrong that other people who you don't know, who have more money, want to live here? I don't think it's wrong for them to want to live here because, again, Long Beach is beautiful. I love Long Beach. Yes, I want them to enjoy Long Beach like I am. But on the backs of who? That is the question. On the backs of who? Like, is it really because of the money or is it really because you just don't think housing is a human right? Because that's what it comes down to. It's whether or not housing is a human right. And I think when we forget that is when we lose sight of what's right and what's wrong. And then it becomes a profit over people. What do you think should should happen here in Long Beach? I honestly, rent control is what we need here. You have downtown, um, all those new buildings down there, those two, th two one bedrooms going at $2,300, 75% of that building is vacant. So you did all those apartments and they're vacant. But yet we have all these homeless people on the street. And instead of doing something about it, we turn our eye the other way. And when I say we, I'm talking about our city council and our mayor because they're not listening to us, the constituents. They're, they're doing what they feel is best for the community. But they're not getting rent increases. They're not living with vermin. They're not living with lead in, in their walls. They're not living with mold in their walls. They're not going through none of that. So they don't understand what it feels like to them. It's just like, why are you making a big deal about it? If you can't afford it, get out. Why? Why should I be priced out of my home? It's my home. Just because you own it doesn't give you that right. Like, you should give me time. If I've been living here for 10, 15 years, 30 days, is not sufficient time for me to emotionally and physically prepare myself 
to leave 10, 15 years of memories behind. It, it's, it's just preposterous that they think 30 days is okay and it's legal. What is your message to the rest of um, people who are listening to this and people in Long Beach? People in Long Beach need to understand. I, I, I completely understand them, the fear, the fear of standing up, the fear of you know speaking out and getting retaliated against. But you know what? If you don't speak up, you stand for nothing. And I'm gonna leave you guys with um, this. I know it's a kid's movie, but Bug's life. We have to remember Bug's life, okay? Even though the grasshoppers were big and it was, you know, they were bigger than the ants, there was only 12 grasshoppers and it was billions and billions of ants. We are those ants. We're only gonna let these grasshoppers get away until we say enough is enough. We're no longer doing anything for you. That's it. And you know what Long Beach needs? A major, and I mean all the way around, everyone gets on a rent strike. What, what's the best way to get a landlord? In his pockets. No landlord wants a vacant unit. And I don't want to lose my home. You don't want to lose money. So let's agree. Let's do something that is reasonable. I shouldn't pay more than 40% of my income to rent. I pay 100% of my income to rent. And I still recycle to make ends meet. So we need to all stand up. We need to fight back. We need to let our city officials and our mayor know that enough is enough. And either they do something or we all go on a massive rent strike. The end. Yep. Thank you. No, thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was a, that was a powerful story. I know for me, there are several elements in there that I know I related to and I've actually been through. And it's a common story that's not specific to her. It's a common story for a lot of us who are affected by gentrification. And uh, these are the type of stories that we, we love not just putting on display, but we want to hear. Even if we can't record it, we want your voice to be heard. So if it's not telling us it priced out, tell someone your story. Mm. It's a good thing to just get it out there and let other people know that they're not alone in this process. People need to know what kind of shit goes down. And yeah, unfortunately, Cynthia's story is is not uncommon. It was a real um, privilege to be able to have her tell it to us. Yeah. So we're not done with Long Beach yet. No, you know, Cynthia became a fighter and she joined up with a group called Housing Long Beach. Yep. We've interviewed in the past and worked with and Housing Long Beach is fighting for rent control. They are fighting as a community. And our next episode on Long Beach will be about that housing fight. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Cornelius, for going down and, and, cap and capturing such a, a powerful story. And uh, to Cynthia, thank you so much for your inspiration and encouraging uh, me to continue this fight against gentrification. And I, I can guarantee that you've encouraged someone else. And it, in fact, if you're listening to this now, uh, be intentional about encouraging someone with this story. Uh, share, uh, hit like, do everything you have to do to support the podcast. But uh, tell her story. You know, even even if a person says, well, I don't listen to podcasts, we'll tell them all about this this episode of Priced Out the Podcast because her story and her journey is one that is worth celebrating and telling because she's a fighter and we have to support our fighters. Thanks, everybody. And you will hear from us again. Mm -hmm.